you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. One of my favorite mysteries as a child was figuring out whether it was Professor Plum or Miss Scarlet who committed the crime and whether they did their deed in the ballroom or the library, the game Clue. And I loved reading Agatha Christie mysteries, trying to guess the whodunit. Mysteries, that's the topic for this morning. It's the topic of Paul in Corinth. Think of the mysteries we're surrounded by, the mystery of who built Stonehenge, the mystery of quantum mechanics, the mystery of the weather in Pittsburgh. We're all surrounded by so many mysteries. And the thing with most of these mysteries, they are fascinating, intellectually stimulating, and all the rest, but they don't really grab you and change you deep down. They're kind of out there at a distance. But then there are other mysteries that make a huge claim on us. For instance, the phrase, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, and all of this until death do us part. Some mysteries are interesting, other mysteries we can come to understand, and some mysteries change our lives forever. This is what the issue in Corinth is all about. When we say that God is a mystery, what are we saying? Paul's words to the Corinthians, and I'm just going to key in on this one phrase. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. This is a mystery. Now, a true story about one of the most mysterious nights in my life. When I was a teenager, I had a good friend named Gray. He was a few years younger, but I was really close with him and his entire family. And I know he loved our friendship because I, unlike his sister, would give him rides. I remember one Friday night, our friend group had made a plan to do something a little bit risky. We were going to visit one of the most supposedly haunted places in town. We were going to Dogman's house. We had grown up hearing the legend of Dogman about how he was an overall-wearing, shotgun-carrying man who killed small game and ate it over a fire. And it was time for us to go figure out for ourselves what this man was all about. Well, the night finally came, and I picked up Gray, and his father could sense something was up. He gave me that furrowed and searching look that only fathers can give to roguish teenagers. Garrett, I trust you'll have him back by 9.30, and I trust you boys will behave. Of course, Mr. Jackson, of course. Stay with me. This is related to the text now. <laughs> I really did have the best of intentions. I didn't know Mr. Jackson well, but he liked me a lot, and I didn't want to jeopardize that. So we set out in search of the secrets of Dogman, traveling through the woods down an old dirt road. After a mile trek, we finally arrived at a residence. 
to discover that there was no such thing as a real dog man, but there was such a thing as government property, and we were on it. Dog man was a shadowy man indeed. He was a police officer on guard for a hydroelectric dam. The officer gave us a talking to, gave us a free tour of the back seat of his car, and he kindly escorted us out. We walked, so we, we walked up, headed home two and a half hours late, and Gray's dad is outside. We've got the smell of timber on our clothes and the look of crisis averted on our faces, but the crisis wasn't averted. The real crisis lay right in front of us. His name was Mr. Jackson. The Corinthian church wanted a special kind of knowledge of God, and they were fighting about who had the right kind of knowledge, who has the proper faith. The Corinthians know that God is a mystery, and they are ready to figure it out. Their church was divided over this. And so Paul has to come among them and say something like he says this morning. I resolve to know nothing among you except Christ crucified. If you want to know the mystery, look there. The Corinthians thought God was a mystery like Dogman. They were in search of figuring him out, verifying whether the legends were real. They wanted to know. Everyone had their legend, and they wanted hard and fast knowledge, and they were going to package this up and call it wisdom. So back to the story. Gray and I are walking up, and Mr. Jackson is on the front porch with all the lights on, sitting in his rocking chair. Here we are, a couple of ragamuffins on doomsday, walking up to God's judgment seat. This is not good. We are late. Gray has not answered the phone, and I was responsible for him. Mr. Jackson knew about our evening. I could just tell. He may not have known the particulars, but he knew. Dads always know. But here's the strange thing. His face didn't look disappointed or shocked or miffed or bewildered or any of the other things he was supposed to feel. Nothing remotely resembling the dreaded furrowed brow. He looked at us for five long seconds. And here was the mystery. In the glow of the porch lights, I swear his face became one of compassion. Like genuine compassion. It was like he knew everything and it was okay. We were okay. His first words were, you boys look like you could use some food. Why don't you come inside for a bit, Garrett? Even stay a while if you'd like. What? I was beside myself. Me and Gray looked at one another and headed in. And sure enough, in five minutes, we were stuffing our faces with eggs and bacon and all the rest. Paul Tillich says that faith is simply accepting the fact that you are accepted. Accepting the fact that you are accepted. 
if that's true, I learned a little bit about what faith means that night. You know, it would have been pretty cool if Dogman had existed. It would have been a great campfire story to pass down. But I think the key to the night was Mr. Jackson. Stepping through their front door, I stepped into a bigger and stranger and far more unfamiliar world than Dogman's. This was a world of forgiveness and compassion. Dogman couldn't hold a match to these mysteries. Paul says, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. I decided to know nothing except the most central and pivotal and absorbing and exhilarating and joyful thing in the world. I've decided to let my life be shaped by one thing. And it's a love that will go to any length to invite us in. He'll be crucified. He'll sit on the front porch waiting for us. And though we are late and though we are uh, and though we are a little dazed by what's transpired with dirt and bewilderment pressed into our faces, we will never meet a furrowed brow. We will always meet a boundless compassion. If the cross is anything, I see it like a lit up neon sign saying that God's presence is always open. No matter what hour of the night we drive up, we will always find the lights on. So this morning, I stand with Paul and say that I only know one thing, and that's the compassionate, come hell or high water love of God. It's that mystery that comes to us this morning and every morning, and it's that mystery which is nothing other than Christ crucified. And it is that mystery which looks at us and in the late evening of our waywardness when we are sure we don't stand a chance of acceptance. Just then, compassion breaks across his face. I'm so glad you're home. Why don't you come in and stay a while? Amen. Now turning to page 358, we stand in a firm